Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Good to see you guys today. Hey, I'm ready to jump into God's Word. I want you to get your Bibles open to two locations, Genesis 16. Genesis 16 in the second place is Psalm 127. Genesis 16 and Psalm 127. And uh, while you're turning there, make sure you hold both of those locations. We'll hit Genesis 16 once. And I'm glad we have nice weather again, don't you? Yeah, it's good. I hope everything went well for all of you over the past few days um, and that, uh, you know, you, you were safe and warm and all that kind of stuff. And I, but I'm excited for us to actually kind of get back into a normal groove. Yesterday, uh, someone, someone asked me, someone said, hey, did you, I bet you, did you really enjoy your extra time off this week as you, as you got to enjoy the, uh, just staying at home, the ice storm? I'm like, no. Nah. No, 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 no. See, and, and then I re- reflected back. I thought, you know, I've, I've been doing ministry work all my life. And, but I also, for a time period, when I was in college, I worked at a grocery store. And so, so I, I kind of equated it to that. It's like, no, it keeps on going. You, you, uh, like, like at a grocery store, you got to keep showing up. You got to keep, keep working. You got to keep doing it. And, and I remember one time when I was, when I was 21 years old, uh, just right before I got married, but I could not get out of my driveway to go to work at the grocery store. And, and I mean, I was in such trouble. So, th- so my boss literally came and says, well, good, then I'm going to come get you. So he came and got me, picked me up because my car was a, was a, was a, you know, would be a performance car at that time. It was it was very front heavy. Had a very heavy engine in the front, so I had no traction. And and so, uh, thank God, I yeah, I made it through that. But I but you know, ministry work is is about the same. You just you just got to keep it going and keep going and keep going. So I'm looking forward to this week where I'm going to take a day off. Ah, yeah, day off this week. All right, good, good. We'll we'll enjoy that. But. Uh, but uh, you know the thing is, I do love I do love God's call on my life, and I, I I do love it. And God always even protects my heart so that so that I actually thoroughly enjoy doing it. Well, today's message is entitled God's timing, God's timing, and uh, and this is another message in this Ready for the Unknown series. I mean, you ever felt like you're just so frustrated with God's timing? I mean, possibly God promised you something, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting. You know, there's nothing quite like a waiting room, isn't there? I mean, it's it's just when you're sitting there, and you're thinking, and every time the door opens, you're thinking, now, this is my moment. This is the moment. They're going to call my name, and I'm just going to walk through that door in that way. But you sit there, and you wait, and you wait. And you wait, and you wait. You, you guys know the feeling, all right? But there's something that I also kind of, I like to call it God's waiting room. And, uh, and it's like when you're waiting on something to take shape that you feel like God has promised you. And so, so for, uh, for me, when I was 19 years old, 
uh, God spoke very clearly to me. There have been several times where it's just very, very clear voice of God, not audible or anything, but God simply told me, you're going to plant a church in a large city. I mean, it was a genuine promise from God. And it originated from a time of fasting and prayer that I'd had when I was 19. And, and I, 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 was, I was in my, my dorm room. My roommate was gone. Thank God. Don't, I, you love it when your roommate's gone. And my, my roommate was gone. And uh, he was a great guy, but I'm just glad he was gone because I was just there praying and seeking, God, God, you know, where, what, what do you have for me? And that was at that moment when God spoke to me. I can remember the feeling. I can remember what the room looked like. I remember the moment just like it was yesterday. And, and, uh, and I knew this was not my imagination, that I was going to go to a to a city and I was going to plant a church. In fact, I did projects throughout my uh, continued time in, in college where, where I would do projects of what a church plant would look like and what a, how to do a church in the city, even though I knew nothing. In fact, I was raised in small towns, so I really knew nothing about large cities, but, but God's word is God's word. Well, years went by and uh, I, just, I, I knew this much. It's foolish to try to push it, to force it to happen. But the call of God kept ringing in my ear. And, uh, and even though I felt sometimes like, God, have you forgotten about the plans? Uh, what's going on? Well, fast forward until I was 31 years old. This originally started when I was 19, when I was 31 years old. And, uh, I was serving on a church staff in Dallas County and, and just feeling just a high level of frustration. Like I, I, I'm, I'm preparing here and I'm doing my work and I'm working hard for the Lord, but I just, I know there's this gnawing promise from God. And so I befriended this pastor. He had been a pastor. He was about 70 some years old. So I tell you, some of the richest relationships I've had are with older ministers. And so, so I, I talked with this pastor and we spent some time together and, and I, I, I had always gleaned so much from him, and I opened up to him finally. He's the first person I ever opened up to about this, other than, than Rebecca and a few other close friends. But, but I, just, I just said, I, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but I, I probably missed my window of opportunity. I mean, that's how gnawing it was on me. It's like, why? Here I am 12 years later from the original nudge from God and nothing, nothing. And he, I said, I think I've missed my window of opportunity. And he kind of looked at me a little strange and like, no, you're, you're good. <laughs> you're good. He prayed with me. He said, just lean into God's timing. I'll never forget that. Just lean into God's timing. It's going to work and you don't have to force it. It'll happen. So I did. <laughs> well, time went by. I'd left that, that church staff and I was pastoring a large church up in Missouri. And, and, uh, and Ian had mentioned that a little bit earlier when we were pastoring up there. And, uh, and so now this is fast forwarded eight years. This is now actually 20 years after the original nudge from God, that word from God. And, uh, and it was a when I was pastoring up there, it was just outside of Kansas City, but it was a small city of about 100,000 people. And, uh, and, and I felt like God had given us the opportunity to open a second campus on the opposite side of town. I mean, a, a businessman in our church says, hey, we've got this, I've had this warehouse. If you want it, you can, ha- you can use it for the ministry all you want. We're going to charge you guys $1 a year in rent. And I say, thank you, Lord. I like that strategy. I like that plan. We raised the funds. It was about 100000 to outfit the building and get it ready. We we're, were able to open up a second campus. And in that campus, we had a 24-7 prayer 
room. It was so awesome. And we, we used it as a venue for a lot of different things, a lot of compassion ministry to people in the neighborhood. And, 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 and I remember during that time, I was like, okay, God, this must have been what you were talking about. Uh, even though you, may, you said a large city, and this certainly is not a large city, but maybe this is what you were talking about. And I just poured my heart into it. But then I remember the time when, when I finally, when, when God convicted me to resign the church and come back, back here to the Metroplex, I, uh, I'm like, God, wait a minute. <laughs> what is going on? What, what is going on? And I realized at this point, well, that was not actually God's plan. It's still off into the future. So uh, a few years later, I'm, I'm living here in the Metroplex, and I began working with my pastor at the time, who was from the church that, that I had been serving at as a staff pastor years ago. And, and <clears throat> And he met with me one day, and he said, I really feel like there's an anointing on your life. Of course, there's an anointing to pastor, not, just not, not to do what you've done before. And I said, yeah, I know it's there. I know it's there. He, he said, well, let's put together a team. I'll let you spearhead this thing. Let's put together a team. Don't tell anybody about it. Nobody needs to know. But, but let's get a, get a team together, and let's consider how we can set up a second campus for our church. And the church only had one campus at that time. So I began working on that. It's like, yeah, I know to do that. I've done that before. And began more. I was like, see God, this is the plan. This is the plan. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, God said a city. So we're going to, you know, look at Dallas. And so I started looking up into Dallas and, and it just kind of just started disintegrating. And, and the team was like saying, no, no, Dallas is not where we need to have this. We need to do this in Midlothian. I'm like, Midlothian? What are, what are you talking about? Or Waxahachie? Or like, Waxahachie? Like, I, of course, I'm thinking, this is, this is God's thing. And, and so we had worked on it for about a year. And finally, I sat down with the pastor, and, and he said, you know, how's the project coming along? I said, well, it's just not. It's not gelling. It's not coming together. And he said, you know, I've been feeling this for a few weeks. Maybe we should put this on the shelf. I said, yeah, I think we should too. We put it on the shelf. And so there it went. There was that second opportunity for that. Uh, like, okay, I guess I'm, I don't know. It's off in the future. So that spurred me on to do a fast. And so I fasted for 28 days and, and, uh, and at the end of that time, I was, uh, I was asking God for, again, that, that whole time asking God about the future. Where are we going here? Come on, come on, God, come on, God. Time is ticking. And the day I broke the 28-day fast, and I think some of you know this stuff, I got a call from someone and said, hey, there's a building in downtown Fort Worth, and I thought about you. And this person had no idea of what I felt God had, had called me to do. So we ended up coming down here. Well, the rest is history. Here we are. But uh, it's, it's interesting because after 26 years of sitting in the waiting room, <laughs> City Life Church finally had its grand opening from the time that God had dropped it into my heart. I'm glad I didn't jump ship. I'm glad I didn't try to force it. And having done it right, I believe, and let God do his part, I'm glad because it tended to play itself out really well. Now, truth be told, I, I know that my ministry today would not have the breadth and the depth that, that I would have had if I would have tried to do this on my own, if I would not have spent the time in the waiting room. And I'm telling you, it was frustrating, but it was all part of the process. Here's the truth. I am a better man today because I submitted to God's timing so I could really be ready for the unknown. And I'm glad I never forced my agenda. And there's a little popular saying in the culture that says this. It says, if you want to make God laugh, 
tell him your plans. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's completely accurate, uh, but it certainly makes you think. I mean, in, in my mind, God kind of chuckles sometimes when we tell him our plans. <laughs> uh, and, and again, I'm grateful for the 26-year experience in the waiting room. Two um, second campus projects, and then during that time, during that time of like, where, what's going on here? I led a small business for a few years, but that prepared me for the future and actually caused me to do things different here than I would have done should I have just tried to push the agenda forward. You know, I, I believe that if you learn the lessons that God wants you to learn, then uh, then He's going to to allow you to be taught those things, and it's it's going to it's going to get into your system. It's going to become part of you. See, I have this personal conviction. The personal conviction is this, and it's on the screens as well. The longer you wait, the more you will appreciate. What's that again? The longer you wait, the more you will appreciate. And, and what happens is when God comes through for you, you'll find that you will not be the person to take credit for the miracle. You see, the dream, when it becomes reality, you're not taking any credit for it because you're just simply giving glory to God because you know God did it. And I know, I know, divine delays are frustrating. And many of you are right in the middle of one right now. But remember what we've already learned in this series, and here it is. God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get to where God wants you to go. And, and, and God promised Abraham that his offspring was going to be like the stars of the sky. And he, his offspring was going to be like the sand on a seashore. Uh, but Abraham sat in God's waiting room for a long, long time, for years I mean, can you imagine how Abraham and Sarah felt year after year after year on their birthday? I mean, Sarah seeing women who are decades younger than her having babies and throwing baby showers and inviting her to come and be, and, and just, just imagine it's like she's thinking, but I thought God promised my husband that we were going to have a baby and here we are. What am I going to do? And can you imagine how Abraham felt I'm, for, for the longest time after God had promised him that he was going to have a son and he's watching other young men get their sons and train them in the family business and sculpt them for a life in the future and he had no child. She had no child. Things were a mess. They were in the waiting game. And that's really where so many of you are. Some of you have been playing the dating game, but it's actually become the waiting game for you. Others of you, you've worked hard for a promotion, but someone else with less experience got the promotion, or you've been praying, you've been believing for something that God has promised you, and it's just not there. But here, here I want to share this with you. Do not rush God's timing. Don't rush God's timing. Waiting years for the promises to be fulfilled for Abraham and Sarah. I mean, can you, I mean, they would have been weary, just weary because they were way up in years. Well, unfortunately, Sarah and Abraham took matters into their own hands and uh, they took what I call a misstep. And we see this recorded for us in Genesis 16.1. I asked you to look at that in your Bibles. Go ahead and get that now. And keep your Bibles open to Genesis as we go through this today. I have several references here. Genesis 16.1. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. 
but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave, and perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarah had said. And I know right now you're going, what did she just say? And he actually did it? Yeah, ladies, be careful of what you pressure your man to do, all right? Men, be careful on what she's pressuring you to do, all right? Did that go over well? Wow. It's biblical. Watch out for what you're pressured to do. If my wife tells me to go sleep with another woman, I mean, am I, oh, sure, sure. God. Okay, you, are you with me now? Okay. Okay, no, but, but that was a huge mistake for them. I mean, they, they got impatient, and Sarah actually blamed God. She blamed God that he was the one who wasn't allowing this to happen. I mean, look, she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Like, no, that's not true. Go sleep with my slave. What are you saying? What is this? And then, and then Abram goes, okay. No, 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 no. I mean, there was a misstep, and it was a horrible, horrible failure. And, and this is true. Failure is a constant reminder of what you are capable of. It is. We've all done it. You know, whenever you try to force your plans to fulfill God's promise, I'll just tell you, it will never work out right. As the story goes on, Hagar, this, this slave of, of hers, of, of Sarah's, she did get pregnant. She did have a baby, and they named this child Ishmael. Now, if you don't know history, all of the Arabs in the Middle East consider Ishmael to be their father. So when you hear conflict between the Jews and the Arabs, understand that Abram did end up having two sons. He had one son that had the, had the, the covenant on him, and he had the other son, who was Ishmael, who was ble- ended up being blessed as well. So now you have these two rivaling nations, and they continue to fight to this day. Do you think Abraham had that figured out when, when Sarah said, well, just go sleep with the girl? Yeah. No. No, he had no clue this was going to cause strife all the way up to the year 2023 and beyond. But it all goes back to one big misstep. Now, hold your place in Genesis. I want you to look over now in Psalm 127 because I do want you to see this. Church, this is important. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. See, it's wearying and it's fruitless to leave God out of the picture. I mean, Abraham and Sarah, yeah, they waited a long, long time for God to move. And, but, but I want you to know this. Even though they made a huge error, which we have just made fun of them for making that error, even though they made a huge error, God eventually, he eventually fulfilled his promise to Abraham. See, God's still going to come through for you. You just don't want to take the misstep. But even if you do take the misstep and you go over here, God still is going to fulfill his promise because his promise is his promise. And, and that, that's a good word for some of you guys who are in the middle of a situation right now where you're like, man, I just made a big misstep. I made a mistake. You know, if you think your misstep can frustrate the plans of God, then your God is way 
too small. Last week we talked about how big God is and how small he is when we make him small. And of course, sure, that misstep set set off a chain of events that we're still seeing today, but it did not cancel God's promise to Abraham at all, which we're going to see here in just a moment. But but I want you to continue with this story here because the tensions started to arise between Hagar and Abraham's wife, Sarah. See, eventually Hagar and his, her son, Abraham's son as well, Ishmael, they were kicked out of the house. They were banished from Abraham's household. And, <laughs> and which I would consider another misstep. You don't banish your kids, okay? But, but hey, they, they were banished and, and essentially they were sent out into the Sinai Peninsula to die. While they were out there in the desert, Hagar was there with her son, and she began crying out to the Lord, God, God, help me, help me, help me. Now, please understand, there is no Bible at this time. She had no preachers preaching to her about God. All she knew is she had to cry out to this God that Abraham and Sarah obviously talked about. She had to somehow cry out, and as she was crying out to God, all of a sudden, a spring of water began bursting forth right there in the middle of the Arabian desert. The spring water started coming up, and they thought they were going to die. And, and man, it's an incredible story. You can read all about it there in Genesis chapter 16. But then, but the beauty is, is that God even came through and rescued her, rescued her and rescued Ishmael. See, God loves his people. Now, I want you to see this in, in chapter 16, verse 13 of Genesis. Look at it. It says, so she, and we're talking about Hagar, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So she had her really first God encounter and she gave him a name. Uh, See, Hagar, after being comforted with God, she she said, you are the God who sees me. But but, uh, in the Hebrew language, which we don't, most of us don't speak, she said, you are Elroy. And that means that God is the one who sees me. I encourage you to use that terminology. And, and, and I, I have it right here. I have my little, my little thing that says Elroy. Nobody knows what this is. In fact, probably you would never see it with me. But I keep this in my Bible in a very special place. It's my reminder. It's my big reminder that God sees me. God sees me. I encourage you, you know, to write it out. E-L-R-O-I. Write that out. Put it somewhere as a reminder that God sees you. When you are down and when you're discouraged and when you're frustrated, when you have all of this anxiety that's just overflowing about the future, this name of God will show you and remind you of his sovereignty because God is eventually going to make things work. Just quit trying to force it on your own. And, and, and I know, I know, I know that divine delays are very disorienting. But every time I, I'm in one of those divine delays, I just go back to this. I remember El Roy, El Roy. So you might feel that you've lost sight of God, but God still sees you. God sees you, Elroy. God sees you. He knows where you are. He knows. He knows how to how to get you. He knows what you're going through, and he knows where you want to go and where he's called you to go. Uh, 
But more importantly, what he wants to do is he wants to work something in you while you're in this waiting room trying to see what the next steps are going to be. He's with you in the process. Elroy, he sees you and he's with you in the process. Now, waiting is never easy for me. It's easy for most of y'all, I'm sure, but it's never easy for me. I, you know, I, I, Actually, I'm confident I'm not the only one who, who struggles with waiting. I, I, just don't, I just don't like it. Uh, for example, four weeks ago, I dislocated my shoulder. And, I, you know, it's not one of those things that all of a sudden you're just feeling better the next week. And it's, it's painful. It still wakes me up every night, sometimes several times a night. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this hurts. And, and it, it's, it's not fun, but I'm slowly, 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 slowly improving. I want it fully restored now. I want it now. And I've had prayer, God, heal it now. And I'm all into that. Believe me, I'm, I'm all into that. But I'll also tell you this. The majority of the time when God even heals, he takes his time to do it. He takes it over a period of time. And so I'm not going to get frustrated with the process because I do know that I am healing. I can feel it slowly being healed. And I'm, I'm glad for that. I, 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 I know that God is working on me as I'm in the waiting room, waiting for all of this to get back to normal. But... But I'm glad that God has a plan, and I know he's not left me stranded. Elroy, God sees me. Now, if you look in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, Genesis 17, verse 1, you're going to see this. Now, this actually happened 24 years after God originally spoke to Abraham. It says, uh, Genesis 17, 1, when Abram was 99 years old, that's one old dude right there, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So at that point, God has opened the door (laughs) to the waiting room. And the most spiritual thing most of you can do right now is to simply hang in there. You don't want to give birth to an Ishmael. You don't. You don't want to try to force your plan so that God's plan can actually be fulfilled. I know sometimes you feel like giving up. I know sometimes you feel like giving in. And I know sometimes you say, I can strategize this and make it happen. And I, but, 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 but I'm also saying, listen carefully. Just hang in there. Don't give up hope. In fact, hope and waiting, when it comes to the scriptures, they actually go hand in hand. Romans 8.25 says this. It says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it. How? Patiently. It's a Christian principle to maintain hope and to wait it out. Now, when I feel anxiety about something, uh, one of the things that I've learned to do is I do breathing exercises. Like when I dislocated my shoulder and had to figure out, okay, now do I go to the doctor? Do I not? I don't know. This, this thing hurts. Oops, this didn't feel good. Uh, when all of that was going on four weeks ago, <clears throat> I remember my, I instinctively did this because I've, I learned this process several years ago is I just start doing these deep breathing exercises. And so, you know, you I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but, but you, you can look it up on your own. Many of you do this, but, but it actually calms you and helps you to think clearly. It, it, uh, it actually sends these chemicals into your brain that helps you just to, okay, 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 I'm going to be okay. It, it, like it recalibrates you. And 
the sovereignty of God actually has that same effect on me when it comes to what God is going to do. And, and uh, many times when I hear God's word being preached or I engage in corporate worship or I come to prayer meeting like tonight, uh, what happens is like I'm engaging God's sovereignty and then, then all of a sudden I can relax in the presence of God and I can be faithful and I can serve him and I don't have to try to force my agenda and it works. It works, and I'm a healthier person because of it, and I encourage you to do the same. Now, if you look down in Genesis 17, verse 15, it says this is where God keeps speaking to Abraham. This is the same conversation he started just a few minutes ago when he opened the door to the waiting room. It says, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Uh, Her name shall be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Now, that's pretty cool. How many of you guys would love to hear a prophecy like that about your wife? Now, that is very cool. But then what did Abraham do? Abraham fell face down. Boom. I, I think this is amusing because it says he laughed. Most people like to, like to you know, make fun of Sarah for laughing. No, Abraham is the one who laughed first. He laughed. He laughed. Okay, keep looking. He laughed and he said to himself. Now, he didn't say this back to God, but he said it to himself. But it's recorded in the scriptures. God knew what he was saying. He was mumbling to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? <laughs> will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90 <laughs> He is, you, 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 know this, you know the little uh, thing that sometimes people put into, into text messages, R, uh, R-O-L, I should have had that written down, rolling on the floor laughing, you know, what, what, what R-L-O-L, so, so yeah, whatever that is, and the first time I saw that, I was like, what does that mean? Said, that means you're rolling on the floor laughing. That originated with Abraham, actually, there. See, he's, uh, he's now on the floor, he's actually in the dirt, and he's got his, he's face down, <laughs> He's, he's laughing and he's drooling into the dirt. And he's like, this is not even possible. Keep looking. And then Abraham said to God, okay, now he's going to talk to God. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And then God said, yeah, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and I will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. So, wow, Abraham's pretty excited about that. Of course, again, the results of that we see today, but that was his son. And, but he says, but my covenant I will establish with Ishmael's younger brother, who's going to be, or half-brother, who's going to be Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So now we see, at this point, Abraham was ready. And whenever I head out on a road trip, I have this little ritual it's a private thing. I don't share it with everybody. I figured I'd just tell you all my weird little rituals. I, I like to have contests with myself. 
And, and I, I do. I like to have contests. So I reset. If it's a long road trip, I like to reset the, 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 the thing that shows you how many miles per gallon you're actually using. It's on a lot of newer cars. I like to reset that because I, like, I, I, I want to set a new fuel economy record on my road trip. I know I'm weird, I do, but I do that. And I also want to set a new record on how quickly I can get from where I am to where I'm going. Now, if you have your family with you, well, that's going to end up in a disaster. So don't even think about that. Well, I mean, yeah, there's going to be stops, multiple stops. Well, well, okay. But because if I make a stop and I'm by myself, it's like dash into the bathroom, dash out. You've already got snacks. You've already have water in your car and you just keep going. All right. I know I'm the one who needs, I know I'm the one who has, I'm just, I know I'm the one who has the issues, but here's the deal with, with me. This is, this is true. I, See, I not only want to get the best fuel economy, I want to set a new record on fuel economy, and I want to set a new record for my uh, shortest amount of time to get to my destination. In other words, what I want my trip to be is, I, I realize this, I want it to be quick and cheap. I want my trip to be quick and cheap. I want that. The path of least resistance, I want that. But I came to realize something when I thought of that story and was working on this message is this. Getting to where God wants me to go is not often quick and cheap. See, because God is more interested in what you are becoming on the journey, what God is doing in you during the process. For me, during that time of, of, that, of those 26 years of just like, what is going on, God? I mean, you spoke to me when I was 19, and now I'm like 40-something. I mean, what, what am I going to do? But here's what God kept on my heart that entire time. I want you to love your wife more. I want you to love your children more. I want you to invest heavily into those children. You see, If I was making the journey all about me, I would have neglected what was most important. And I chose not to. It did make it more challenging, but I chose not to. And that's when, it was during this journey when God dropped it into my heart. Like, what are you all about? It came down to this. I'm all about helping other people in Jesus' name. I'm all about just simply helping other people in Jesus' name. And when I finally got that, helping other people from my home and outward in the name of Jesus to advance the gospel, that's what my life is about. Because at that point, it's like, I don't even know, God, is this church plant thing even going to happen? I'm not going to force it because I'm tired of making these stabs at it and nothing happening. I just don't know. And after I learned that lesson, after I got it into my heart, and after I did the right things while I was on the journey, that's when God opened it up. You see, God is far less concerned about where you are going than who you are becoming when you're on the journey. See, God isn't going to get you to where he wants you to go before you're actually ready to be there. Put it up on the screen, because that's the truth right there. You know, one of the reasons we have these divine delays is because that's what God wants to do. I want us to accept that fact. I want us to, I want you to enjoy the journey. Um, I want you to remain full of hope while you're in your waiting room. And I hate waiting rooms, but we all are in a waiting room somewhere regarding something.
And remember this, his name is Elroy. He sees you. He sees you in that desert. He sees you and he's not taking his hand off of you. He's not abandoned you. He's not forgotten about you. He's not so busy dealing with Russia and Ukraine and China and weather balloons or whatever kind of balloons those are. He's not, he's not, he's not so stressed out about the White House that he can't take care of you. He's working on you. He's working with you and he sees you. And that big lesson that I learned of what God said to me, your life is all about helping other people in Jesus' name. It literally transformed me and positioned me well to be able to do what I actually do today. You know, God has given me three sons, and I decided I will not neglect them. I will not push them away while I'm waiting on God's timing. God gave me a beautiful wife, and I will love for her, and I will care for her, even though my dreams have not yet come to pass. Because what is that if you lose your family? You know? So I'm not going to force God's agenda when I'm in the waiting room. I don't want you to try to force the agenda while you're in the waiting room as well. Because God always comes through. I want to close today with this scripture in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. Come on, there's a lot there. Let's look at that again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. I gotta gotta make sure you have the word all in there. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I want us to say that out loud. Let's go back to the beginning of that, that, that scripture there, Romans 15, 13. You may want to mark this in your Bibles. I hope you do. Come on, just say it with me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do I have a clear answer on when that door's going to open for you? No. No. In fact, as I was preparing this lesson, I went, wait a minute, God. You made me wait longer than Abraham. But then God reminded you, and me, like, yeah, but you're not 100 either. It's like, okay, okay, God, all right, all right, good, no problem, God. God sees where you are. And one of the things that's important that we do is we need to allow the work of the Holy Spirit, allow the work of Jesus to bring us deep satisfaction during our times of waiting. See, that's one of the reasons why we have Holy Communion. We, we practice communion all the time. We, we practice it here uh, at, and at, you know, at City Life. We have a communion table set up every Sunday. But, but there are these occasions when we do what we call corporate communion. And that's where we take the body and the blood of Jesus. And we say, this is going to be a reminder that Jesus went through so much. He went through so much so that I could have eternity, so that I could have his blessing on my life, so that I could have his Holy Spirit in my life. I won't ever forget what Jesus did for me. Therefore, when you apply it to today, therefore the waiting room is okay. It really, really is. I'd like for the worship team to join me on the platform, and while they're coming up, I want you to listen to these words about 
how God is faithful now, once again. And while they're singing that, the ushers are going to serve communion. And if you have never, if you're, if you're not a part of City Life Church, you don't have to worry about it. It's, this is not something that only City Life people do. You just need to be a part of the family of God. If you've not yet accepted Christ into your heart and to your life, if you've not received him as your Lord and Savior, then you can do that right now because I want everybody in this room to participate in communion so that you can enjoy this moment in the presence of God. So with every, nobody looking around right now, if that's you, you need Jesus today, you're ready for him to become the Lord of your life and have your sins forgiven. I'm going to ask you at the count of three to lift your hands for me. And when I see your hand, I'm going to connect my faith with yours, and we're going to pray together. This is a moment of transformation for, for several people, possibly several people in this room and online as well. So when I'm going to count to three, lift your hand, say, that's me, I need Jesus today. And you are now eligible for communion. Would you do that? Just one, two, three, lift it up for me, lift your hand for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Put your hands down. If you lifted your hand, will you pray this prayer with me? Church, pray this as well. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my life. Today I make the choice to give up my past and embrace the future that you have for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.